welcome to Heroes of Silent Movie Review Time. I'm Jeff, and on the other side of the glass is my buddy Mike. What's going on, Mike? Hey, glass. I was going to say equator, but I think <laughs> that, 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 that lame joke has run its course, so I have to try to think of something else. Oh, the other side of the county. I don't, you know what's funny? I've never said that, and I should, because it's the more logical choice. You're just a county apart from me. and Not, <laughs> not even a not, county apart. We're in the same county. You're just on the other side of it. Yeah. So anyway, guys, we're doing our um, decades and uh, part of our decades. If you have checked one of our reviews, uh, we are now in 2000, 2010, and we're doing Oh Brother, War Part Thou. Now, was this your choice or was this my choice? I cannot remember. Was this yours? Okay. Because yeah. uh, I, wa- I wanted to make sure that this one wasn't me and this was all you. Because no, I mean, this is me. okay. Because this is one of my favorite movies. Like. Like, this is one of my island movies. You know, if you have that top 10 island movies. Really? Yeah, See, yeah. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know this would be one of your island movies. Oh, yeah, dude. I love this one. It's, it's not just this, the movie itself, but the soundtrack. This is one of those rare occasions in the 2000s that we actually had that awesome combo we always talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a great soundtrack that goes hand in hand with a great movie. And it just, you know, it, it was at a, it, the movie was released at the perfect time that this soundtrack not only in, in, you know it impacted the the movie and how it went you know and got you know awards and everything, but this mm. was also part of a, a, a new um, a new phase and a new pattern in country music because the more bluegrass style started reemerging again. They were they were having these these returns to more of a bluegrass and acoustic style because if anybody's anybody listening that might be a country fan, I am. Um, they country is not country anymore. You know, we all no, we no, all look. Not really, not really. Yeah, no. I mean, we all look, to, you know, to, to to the past, and I mean, I can say even the '90s country wasn't country anymore. But this was like a revisit to that time frame, and and that, and they, and, they, and it's referred to several times in the movie, the the old timey movie or the old timey music. Yeah, you know, and and they're talking about old timey music, and when we say old timey mu- music, this is what we we mean when they're talking about <laughs> old timey music. They're talking about like 1900s. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's basically, and it and it sounds like it's from that era. And actually, that the um the song from this soundtrack, I'm not sure if it got nominated for a Grammy or, but I, I know it was all over the radio, and it was sung by George Clooney and by Tim Blake Nelson and by John Tertuder, what Which no, I didn't. It know. was not. No, it was not. It was you, not? you and I have had oh. this conversation before. This you was sure? not, yes. In fact, yes. No, this was not sung by them. This was sang by the guitar player for the Allison Krauss and, and Union Station Band. Uh, Dan uh, Tr- uh, Trzinski, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, this was not George Clooney at all. No, you and I, because that's when you started uh, introducing yourself. <laughs> and I introduced you to a little bit to Alison Krauss and what she was all about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that was good. one of the big things. Yeah, in the movie, they you know, looked as though they were singing this. But yeah, when you actually look at the gentleman that sang it, um, you know, the, these these acoustic you know, players um, for, for Union Station, amazing band, bluegrass band. Um, and uh, for they backed up uh, Allison Krauss for many years, still do. But uh, but yeah, that's that's who uh, actually did it. Oh, I think I do remember you telling me that. It just probably just slipped my mind. I'm just probably like thinking a thousand miles a minute. Like it's it's this. No, it's that. But um, yeah. So anyway, this movie is based off the um, the Odyssey. If you guys haven't read that, and freaking, you should have read that by now, man. If you're in high school, even grade school, the Iliad was out there. You know, it's part of a Greek type of theme so a lot of greek themes in this movie especially with some of the characters and that you'll meet so it was kind of adapted for this film and it was done by the coen brothers and they'd done some films they did fargo 
They've done a ton of films, but I think Fargo oh, was big, a big, big, one. big. Yeah, well, Big Lebowski. I mean, you guys, go back, you don't want to go yeah. back into our archives, you know, back to Midnight Movies. That's did we always did Big Lebowski. Was Kingpin? Was Kingpin one of theirs? Too? Kingpin, I don't believe was a Coen oh. Brothers uh, movie. Um, I know one. Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing. Um, one of my favorite ones, uh, a Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Did you see that? It came out a couple of years no, ago. No, I've never seen that one. It's a fun kind of country esque one. It takes place, you know, in the in the the Wild West, but it's a very funny, uh, funny take on that. Uh, but yeah, no, they uh, No Country for Old Men, Born Out, Burn After Reading. But yeah, no, they did not do um, No Country for Old Men. That's a good one. Yeah. Ooh, that's a really good one. If you guys have never seen that film, do yourself a favor. Just watch it. It's it's really good. Especially um, what's this guy Silva from James Bond? He plays the villain in this one. He's so freaking good. I think he won the Oscar that year. But he's just uh, so good, so creepy, yet so good. But anyway, I'm gonna start the review and uh, I'm gonna do my thing. And Mike's gonna be here, and we're just uh, yeah, we're just gonna wing it. Anyway, so this is how it starts. Three convicts led three convicts. P and Delmar led by Ulysses Everett McGill, that's the George Clooney character, escaped from a chain gang and set out to retrieve a treasure which Everett has said was buried before the areas flooded to make a lake. I mean, the, the, ca- the cast, those three characters, those three actors alone are just, I mean, you got George Clooney, obviously, you know, he's got, you know, he's, you know a dynasty in his own right, his family name. Um, but then you, you throw in uh, Tim, Tim Blake Nelson, who played uh, Who played Delmar? Yeah, I mean, he's, just, he's done a ton of stuff. Tim Blake, a ton, ton of stuff. Some great, great movies. When you look at his career and everything that he's done, I mean, he he was in you know, we, we, well, not everyone. He was in Scooby Doo too, but he was also in Meet the Fockers. Yeah, the Amateurs. Um, but it, he had a he, great career. I mean, a lot of great movies. And just his character. Like when I go and see him in other movies, I'm like, I forget who he played. Well, I'll give you a thing. If you, if you recall, he's to me, he's going to be like a what if in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he was going to play the leader. If you remember that Incredible Hulk film with Edward yeah. Norton, he was the uh, the doctor. And at the end of that film, you saw his head kind of shrinking. And we thought, oh, it's going to be the leader. And of course, it was one of those things that. Well, he sort of was the leader. We can't say he wasn't because he was. It just there, there was no journey after that. No, yeah, it was just you saw him change like his head getting bigger. Yeah, and yeah. So he became the leader. We just didn't get a story after that. Maybe he's still in the MCU. I mean, that they, 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 movie yeah. is canon. They're they're, so. they're still talking about it. You know, they're still you know yeah because that is still the canon Hulk. I mean, when you look into the Hulk movies, that mm-hmm. is the canon Hulk. So it's still there. You never know. Uh, and then of course mm-hmm. you got the you know, the amazing John Turturro. And again, another wow. time when you're I watch him and I forget that that's John playing mm-hmm. that role. When I think back of you know what he looked like there you know during that time frame. You know, this is. Look, just a little bit after like Big Lebowski came out. I mean, he had his, oh I mean, Jesus, dude. Oh, yeah, have you seen that film? What yet? the Jesus film? Oh no, I never it, did. No, I never got a chance to see that one, dude. It's it's not the Big Lebowski, but it's 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 if it was if they say it's a spiritual sequel to the Big Lebowski, I guess the sequel to it. It's not bad. It's not Big Lebowski. If you're going in there picking things, Big Lebowski. I think that's why I didn't see it because I heard but, you know it wasn't doesn't have that same vibe that that same thread it, to it. It uh, it doesn't. I'm going to be the first to tell you, but it's actually a really good film. It, it stands on its own, like it's part of the Lebowski universe, but it doesn't fit into that Lebowski vibe. If that makes any sense. But if you get bored one night, I don't know, and can't go to work, just, give it, just watch it. And um, yeah, John Turturro, like he's you talk about a guy who can do no wrong. I think of three roles like right off the top of my bat, like this one, 
he was in those horrible Transformers movies. I, and, and, and he was probably one of my favorite parts about the Transformers. He was good, dude. He was probably one of the better parts in that film. And then recently he played uh, was awesome in The Batman. He was Carmine Falcone. Yep. So he did like literally three different roles, and he was fantastic. And all. I thought he was awesome as Falcone. Reminded me of the Falcone of the uh, – the long Halloween, the book, like just- exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, because that's what they were basing that off of. But yeah, definitely had that that feel. And yeah, he, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, he's, I mean, just the career he's had. But just to see these three men doing this, these these, and the way they played off of each other was just beautiful. Oh, the chemistry is amazing. Yeah. Like that, that's one of the things that sold me in the movie. The movie could have sucked, but those three together, I would have watched them do like a, like you know, if they over the world out there part two, if they wanted to do that. <laughs> like I, I love their chemistry together, and it only gets better as the movie goes along. So. The three get a lift from a blind man. Now, let me read that again. The three get a lift from a blind man driving a hand car on a railway. It's one way. He, does, he can't, doesn't have to turn or anything, so he, it's good. It's safe. Like I said, if you have read The Odyssey by Homer, this is taking a lot of lifts from that. Because I believe in The Odyssey, Homer was given a lift on a boat by a blind man. So. That and he also is representation of the uh, of an oracle as well because he yes, he, yes. he plans out their their journey or tells them what their journey possibly will be. A lot of the characters I'm going to mention throughout this film as we go along are characters in the Odyssey just adapted, and Mike or me will point them out as we go along. Just make it fun. He tells them they will find a fortune, but not the one they seek. Ooh. The trio make their way to the house of Wash. Pete's cousin. They sleep in a barn. But Wash reports to the sheriff, Cooley, who, along with his men, torches the barn. Wash's son helps them escape. Now, I forget who the sheriff is supposed to represent. The sheriff's supposed to be Poseidon. Because he's, const- he yeah, he's constantly looking okay. and searching after. Oh, so, you know, uh, um, shoot, John the blank here. Uh, but he's constantly searching after. Um, uh, Ulysses, as far as like trying to stop him from going home because he that, Poseidon does not want him to make it home. So he, yeah, that's that's who he represents. Uh, yeah, I was also, to think. also represents the devil in in in, uh, in a few. That's of the, what yeah. I thought. Okay. Well, right. you got to realize when we get later on, and we'll we'll you know they pick up a fourth character, a fourth person on the journey, and when you hear the description of the devil is a white man as white as you two or as white as you three with eyes that will reflect that reflect. And, and carries a dog with him. So he is the representation of the devil for... Because he's wearing those shades. It's yeah. Dark, the dark shades. Yeah, for, like for Tommy, they pick up later. He That is his representation for to Tommy as well. That's And then, of course, you know when we get later in the movie, you hear a reference where he's like, oh, you, you're pardoned by... You're pardoned by, by, the, by the governor, but mm-hmm. that, don't, that doesn't make you right doesn't with mean me. That I'm going to pardon you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good scene. Oh, man. So anyway, speaking of that guy, they pick up Tommy Johnson. A young black man who claims he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for the ability to play guitar. And now, basically, that's a, a playoff of Robert Johnson. The, that's the, what the, I was the myth, ask. the myth of Robert Johnson and him selling because his soul. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. It was like, that's is that Robert Johnson name? It, yeah, it's supposed to be. It's you know, that's why the, the same last name. You know, kind of giving that away. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Is like Tommy Johnson, Robert Johnson? Hmm. Anyway, in need of money, the four stop at a radio station where they can record a song as a soggy bottom voice. The night the trio part ways with Tommy after their car is discovered by the police. Excuse me. Now let's not forget um, about like we get introduced to uh, to the to the director or the, to the music producer who's played by Stephen Root. And if anybody is a, a fan of uh, of Office Space, 
He's, he plays a uh, he plays a, a Milton. He played Milton. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen. I mean, Stephen Root's got. You talk about him. Another great actor with a great career. <laughs> that uh, that's just been like all over the place. And, and we're also introduced quickly to uh, to Papio Daniel, who's the governor of the great state. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, too. and that, played by uh, Charles Durning. Or Durning. And uh, so, I mean, you see, so yeah, we were introduced to that character as well. Like within just this little time, we get the music created. And uh, I, I love the fact when they're talking about it, they're like, you know, well, you know, do you guys play uh, play, play the you know the the, the the black time black music? And they're like, oh yes, sir, we're all black except except for our accompaniment. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, well, well, I don't want to play that. Oh, well, okay. No, we're actually all white, except for our accompaniment. Yeah, so they, there's this like flip-flop back and forth. You hear them hear them talking about uh, about that. So good. And yeah, you also you right. also jumped over. I think you jumped over where they get baptized. Nah, no, we're not there. Oh, no, it's not that. I thought that, yeah, I thought that happened there. before the... Uh, yeah, we're at the part where they're at the radio station. They just recorded the song, and then we go from there. So, we like, we've met... A lot of the central characters we haven't met the wife yet, which I think she's fucking awesome. Unbeknownst to them, their recording becomes a major hit. They briefly fall in with Baby Face Nelson and accompany him in a robbery. Is that ba- is that LaFace? It's supposed to be Baby. Uh, there is a, there is a gangster. Oh no Baby no Phil. no! I'm, I, I was thinking of. I'm sorry. I, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> I was thinking of somebody else. I was thinking of LaFace Records. Not now. Uh, not now oh god i'm recording come on you know the door sorry i'm recording mom i'm the i love you too oh boy anyway did you record that oh it's recording yeah everything's recording no i just put a oh, I put a, i just put a stamp on it so i knew what time to okay to do it anyway yeah, it's okay you're good anyway so they bri- uh we'll go from there so they briefly follow with babyface nelson and I was, you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of LaFace Records and Babyface. I don't know why I was, I, I didn't think of the gangster. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> but um, he, of course, is played in this movie by, and I have the cast list in front of me, and it's gone. He's not there. Uh, do you have the cast list on who played Babyface? Yeah, Nelson that's uh, Michael uh, Bataluco. Bataluco. God bless you. Uh, he was in uh, the professional Summer of, uh, Summer of Sam, Mac, Jungle Fever. Been a lot of films. Okay, so they pick him up and accompany him in a robbery, which, I, by the way, is really cool when they pick him up. Near River, the group hears singing. Okay, you did, or yeah, you did jump over it. After they after they got bro- their chains broken off, they uh, they stopped in a by a um, by a river after they left uh, his brother, and they and they were baptized. Two of them were baptized at the river. No, I'm at that point where it says near river. The no, no, you're, you're talking about the three sirens that show up. You know, before all this happened. I don't, I don't have that on Yeah, here. I know you don't. I'm looking at the same one you do. Yeah, you don't have it either. But when they fell asleep, after they okay, fell asleep okay. at, at Wash's uh, cousin's house, they um, they eventually, they, they're out sitting around. And they they t- make that conversation where they're sitting around talking about uh, that, uh, hey, you know what, we, uh, the, you know, uh, the town is two mile or two, we- two weeks away from oh, everything. Oh, yes. When he's trying to get FOP or the. Yeah, um, no, he's trying to get his Dapper Dan on. Okay. Dan. He's, he's, not a, he's not a FOP. He's a Dapper Dan man. <laughs> Come on now. And uh, so, so he sits down, you know, they're talking and, you know, he's offering him gopher. He's like, well, I, you know, I don't want a third of a gopher because you know, then I'll just, you know, pique my appetite. And they're like, oh, no, no, we came across a whole village. And all of a sudden you just start seeing these folks in white. Wandering around by them in the woods, and you you hear this this lovely, lovely song going on uh, done by Alison Krauss, uh, Jillian Welsh, great song, 
And you see uh, Delmar gets up and goes and gets baptized. And then Pete jumps in as well. And that at that point, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I wanted you to make sure you brought that up because that is a kind of a representation of something that's brought up later on is that they say their soul has been saved. They are clean of all of their sins, even mm. hitting that Piggly Wiggly that, uh, that Delmar says he uh, never did, but apparently he did. So, uh, so I mean, it's a represent. You know, and, of course, you know, um, Ulysses, George Clooney's character is like, no, no, no. That j- just because you say you're clean and God says you're clean doesn't mean you're clean. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's a kind of a twist when they meet back up with the sheriff, and they're told. Well, he, they tell him the governor, governor cleaned up. You know, he cleaned us. He's like, yeah, but you're not clean by me either. By me. So yeah. just because you got baptized doesn't mean that it's going to save you from the devil either. No, I apologize for that. I don't. I don't like literally the next thing I have on my list was after that they go to the river. So I don't know why they didn't put the. Yeah, I know. Uh, to me, that to me, that's like a, a kind of a very pivotal that's a moment. major part. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, because that has one of the best dialogue scenes between Clooney and the, the store clerk, man. That's, oh, yeah. That is so golden. Is He's just sitting there like, nope, we don't have his, his, you know, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And then Clooney has a line. He's like, this place is a geological oddity. It's literally two weeks from everywhere. <laughs> I just died. So, so as we were saying, near a river, the group hears singing. They see three women washing clothes and singing. That must be nice. The women drug them with corn whiskey, and they lose consciousness. Why don't they co- drug them with corn whiskey? I have to well, corn whiskey is probably a pretty easy you know, thing to get them drunk with. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, but the, you have uh, Mia Tate, uh, Musetta, Vander, and Christy Taylor are the three sirens. The vocal parts, again, are the th- those three singers we mentioned earlier, uh, Emmy Lou Harris Allison Krause. Um, and Allison Krauss and Jillian Welch. I mean, three. Uh, Emmy Lou Harris is just some, an amazing singer to begin with, like her, her record of you know how long she's been around. But then you have, at that time, Allison Krauss and Jillian Welch were very new and young to the, to the uh, industry. I think Allison had been around probably about seven, eight years. But, uh, but yeah, to hear these three voices just you know, mixed in together just was beautiful. And if you never listened to Alison Krauss, uh, I thank this guy for that because it was one night that I was kind of exposed to her. And she's she's really good, really good. And I, I'm not a fan of that music either. So <laughs> that's saying something for me. And that's something with this soundtrack. This is one that I, that I actually loved was uh, the producer of the soundtrack was T-Bone Burnett. And T-Bone has mixed, produced so many amazing artists. Uh, I was first introduced to him by his wife, Sam Phillips. She had an album back in the 90s. Um, was it uh, Martinis and Bikinis or Bikinis and Martinis? Mm. And uh, and then you know, I was introduced to that and just his his record of who he's worked with. And he was like sort of the godfather of that introduction of that music. But then he's also done movies we've already done before. He's done Walk the Line. He was producer for the for the for the walk the line he was also a big producer on big lebowski he is one of those guys that he's i guess you could call him sort of sort of uh what, what's um tim burton's uh pro, you know producer oh uh, uh that's uh, john peters right <laughs> no no not no t- uh, tim burton Oh, oh shit! Boingo, oh. boingo! I'm drawing a blank on his name. Oh, uh, that's Danny Elfman. Danny yeah, Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah. So, so in a way, you know, T Bone is was sort of like, like there the Coen Brothers, Danny Elfman, because he did a lot of work with them. I mean, you look at Crazy Heart. I mean, amazing, amazing oh, movie, amazing good movie. Man, that's a great soundtrack. Cold really. Mountain. I mean, like I said, he did Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Raising. I mean, just so many great, great movies. You know, soundtracks that he's worked on on top of just the artists he's worked with as well. So, and by the way, check out Crazy Heart, another good movie. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Movie. Just Bridges are so good. Yeah. Anywho, uh, where was I? 
Sirens. Okay, sorry. No, okay, Sirens. So, so you see the woman drugging with corn whiskey and losing uh, lose consciousness. Upon waking, Delmar finds Pete clothesline next to him, empty except for a toad. And he Delmar, thought the toad was his heart for a long time, which I thought that was great. I love. They left his heart. <laughs> Delmar is convinced the women were sirens and transformed Pete into the toad. Later, a one-eyed Bible salesman, Big Dan, invites him for a picnic lunch and mugs him, takes all their money, and kills the toad. Now, Big Dan, played by um, John Goodman. Oh John Goodman. Yep. Was great, great role. Yeah. Fantastic. Great role. I think this was one of the first roles that, you know, for me, and I saw other films he did afterwards. He did a movie with Denzel, which he was really good into. But this was like one of the first ones where I think he kind of broke away to me that sitcom life. And he became, he transitioned into the movie star life. But he, like he's doing sitcoms now, but I think he's one of those guys that he could pull. Both. Oh no, he's been able to do both. I mean, God, I mean, you got to think the first movie he probably was soloed by himself. I mean, most people forget about it. King Ralph. King Ralph. <laughs> I, I think of Red State. Do you see him in Red State? Oh yeah, I saw him in Red State. But I'm talking early, 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 oh, early, early John Goodman. You got to go with King Ralph, where he, uh, where he's a, he's a lounge singer who, uh, <laughs> who you, discovers you he's King a Ralph in this podcast. <laughs> Jesus. I never thought we'd get to King Ralph. Uh, you know, yeah, you know what? I thought that was going to be one of those midnight and <laughs> late night gems, but I guess, hey, it's out there for all of you guys to hear. That's right. Mike said it. King, King Ralph. Ralph. Come on. It's John Goodman. I mean, it's, yes, uh, yeah, I remember him. I think, you know, mostly everybody does from Roseanne. But yeah, for me, I think seeing him King and doing King Ralph was like the first big one. And then I think, I think after that was what, Babe? Like, I, I, think, I, I think Babe was his next like big one where he, where he played. Um, Played Babe Ruth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not, no, not the pig, not the pig, babe. <laughs> I was, I was like, <laughs> no, no. Where yeah, it was like the early 90s, 90s movie where he played Babe Ruth. And I think that was his like second movie out. Where and again, movie, he yeah. he took that he took that flipped that from you know the, the comedy drama of Roseanne because Roseanne does have some drama moments on it to the King Ralph comedy, and then you know went back and then like the very next year, I think after King Ralph was when Babe came out, and then. I mean, I don't think it was a huge movie, if I remember correctly. I don't. I didn't hear a lot of great things about it. But again, him carrying a movie by himself, you know, and then of course you can't go wrong with him doing Fred Flintstone. I mean, that's that's you know, another iconic role that you just. That's one of those ones I've seen people try to do. Like they'll, they'll do those straight to videos or straight to streaming, the the Flintstone remakes. I'm like, ah, just mm. just John just captured it like. Nobody's he, he business. was Fred Flintstone. Yeah, yeah him, and, him and Rick Moranis. That they captured that 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 combo together so perfectly. And you got two of those comedian guys, and they always say the best people who can be dramatic actors are comedians. And he's he, he comes from a comedy background. Yeah, and he's still working today. So good on him. On their way to Everett's hometown, Everett and Delmar see Pete working on a chain gang. Uh, no, they actually ran into him at the movies. They passed him at the chain gang, and uh, Ulysses thought he was seeing things because they were oh. talking about after 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 the the Cyclops, John Goodman's character killed him or killed the frog. Killed the frog. They, they it was yeah. Him. They caught a they caught a ride on a truck, and the truck passed the chain gang. Ulysses saw him, and he turned to Delmar. He's like, "Hey, does does Pete have a brother?" No. And then he just kind of like he's thinking it was like it was heat getting to him and uh they ended up going to a picture show and they were sitting there and the chain gang came into the picture show hmm. and that's when you hear Del- delmar telling them you know do not seek the treasure <laughs> uh, 
we thought you were a toad. Yeah, they had this great back and forth in the theater trying to be quiet. And you come to find out that Delmar basically spilled his guts to to the sheriff. Sheriff. Jesus. Come on, Delmar. Now, so I, know anyway. it was a, I know it was a dream, but, I mean, the, the, the Ulysses had a dream of Delmar getting, like, whipped by the by him so I don't we don't know if that was if that was just Ulysses dream or if he was actually seeing truly the what happened yeah because again you you take a little bit you know from uh from the odyssey and there was a moment that you know Ulysses saw one of his shipmates betray him upon arriving Everett confronts his wife Penny who changed her last name and told her daughters that he was dead ran over by a train run train and she is played by Holly Hunter. Yeah. And incomparable. She Holly Hunter, amazing. Incomparable. She, she is, she's fantastic in this film. She's only, I don't think she's in, she has a lot of screen time. She has, she's in, it's pivotal when she's there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, like one of the best lines she said, she's like, I have, I, what is it? I, I walked backwards and I counted the three. And she's like, she counted the three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't say nothing. I just love that. Yeah. And then, of course, probably one of the classic, and I, I can't tell you how many like shirts I saw that, that, that were made after around this time was, um, uh, you, you, you get out of the Woolworth. Because <laughs> he, he, <laughs> okay. got, he got into a fight with his, with his wife's new beau. He's a suitor, as the girls <laughs> would say. And, um, yeah, so, they, so he gets kicked out. He has a fight and uh, is basically told, you know, that, you know, go away until you're, until you're a man again, basically. And he has to, like, that's when you know, he has to figure out what the, what the, to do to make his life, you know, his wife. Yeah, that's right. Get his wife You're back. not allowed at Woolworth. <laughs> yep. that, now, now, was that, that particular one or all the Woolworths? <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, at this time, there's probably only one Woolworth, right? Because Woolworth was like. Well, Woolworth was just coming around. No, there, there were more, but no, it was something that Delmar asked him at one point. Is, are, were you, uh, Did you have Woolworth in California at all growing up? Oh, no, I do. Mm-hmm. I, was grew, I grew up here, and yeah, we had Woolworth here. And, Okay, yeah, I didn't no, no, I only spent a few years out in California. No, here and yeah, we had Woolworths here. I don't know why I keep thinking you were born in California. I don't know. It's probably what's supposed to be. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> he gets into a fight with Vernon, who is she is whom she is to to marry the next day. Later that night, they sneak into Pete's holding cell, free him. Yay, Pete! Turns out the women had dragged Pete away and turned him into the authorities. Under torture, people, like Mike was saying earlier, Pete gave away the treasure's location to the police. Ever then confesses that there is no treasure. He made the whole thing up to convince the guys he was chained with to escape in order him to stop. Yeah, because he, uh, he found out his wife was going to be getting married, so he was like, he made up this whole bank robbery. They buried the, the treasure in this valley and everything, so that's where he... Uh, and they had to get there. Basically, I think he was just trying to get back there because I guess I think... Because I don't, I don't think we got a clear answer is... I know there were there was something at the at his homestead he wanted to get back, but I don't know. I think if he, I think he still thought his wife was there. I think he did, and I think that's why once he finally realized, hey, you know what? That's she's gonna she's trying to get married again, and and that's when he's like finally telling, hey, there's there's no treasure, you know. I made this shit up. <laughs> he reveals that he got arrested for practicing law without a license. Pete is enraged at Everett. Because he had two weeks left on his original set. Two, two weeks? I two weeks, yeah. And I think he Dude, said... he didn't even... Uh, yeah. yeah, I think he said by because of the leaving or breaking out of jail with the two weeks, he will not get released until 1986. Which reminds me of another movie, <laughs> um, Life, with Eddie Murphy yes. and yep. uh, with uh, Martin Lawrence, which is, if you've never seen that one, 
watch yeah. that one after you watch this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they kind of go together. They kind of do, yeah. So, but also, if you're gonna watch uh, this one, you you got to watch Cool Hand Luke. If you're gonna, I mean, that that's a, oh, that's the tri- that, that's cool the prison that's the prison triplet right there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Watch Cool Hand Luke first, this second, and the uh, life third. It's a nice little trilogy of like prison shit. So, uh, he must serve fifty more years for his escape. The trio, uh, they stumble upon a rally of the KKK. Oh, who are scene. planning to hang Tommy, which the best scene ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've grown up and raised in the South. I've seen my share of some of those gentlemen, and um, I love the Cohen brothers for the fact that they made the KKK into a chorus line. I thought it was the funniest thing that they had a dance routine that they were I so organized that they made had a, their own dance routine. yeah i was like this was so good when i watched it i was just like oh because again like i said i'm you know growing up here in, in the south and this area in particular there there are a lot of those gentlemen around and it just i i just thought it was so funny you can't tell me that the coen brothers did not watch the remake of dragnet with the with uh yes because if you remember that movie mike sure i'm sure he does there's a scene where they go to a clan meeting and uh, the, the Grand Wizard character is up there, and they're doing the whole thing like sacrificing the Virgin. And they start, and he's he, the, the clans guy starts the Grand Wizard. He starts the Virgin, singing, Virgin Connie swells. The Virgin Connie swells. <laughs> and like he has a line, he's like from Morton County or from Orange County, and here we go. Like they made a yeah. whole just joke about it. And that's when I saw this scene, I was like, oh, you you got to tell me they didn't they didn't watch that movie they yeah like it. i said that was just beautiful when i see yeah, that when i oh, saw the, the dancing sequence i was like oh this is beautiful it's perfect so good so good the trio disguise themselves as clansmen and attempt to rescue tommy however big dan is a clan member reveals their identities chaos ensures and the grand wizard reveals himself as homer stokes i don't think we talked about homer stokes we yet. really because we really hadn't been that much introduced to homer stokes we were introduced to them when or him uh, when uh, we uh, we ran into the the triplets, so the, the his uh, Ulysses' uh, daughters, and uh, the Warby girls, because uh, she they were singing an intro to one of his like speeches, and that's the only time we really introduced him. And we do know that there's a governable race going on between between uh, Stokes and between mm-hmm. Papio Daniel. So we do know that there's an underlying story going on here. So yeah, we fun- come to find out who basically when it, you look down to him is like. Pappy is more the the Republican kind of side, like kind of the right of it. And then you look at um, Stokes is a little bit more of the Democratic side. And of course, you know everybody, you know, and, and you know, don't want to get political, but a lot of folks do point out the fact that you know in the early days, KKK was ran by the Democratic Party or a lot of Democrats. Shh, they don't want. To do yeah. That. So, but again, but again, <laughs> times change. So you know that just because that's what it was doesn't mean that's what it is now. Uh, so, but that's you know one of those things is that you're seeing this underlining like thing going on between these two governors and one being one way and one being another. And it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting one, but yeah, here we soon see Homer Stokes is the grand wizard of the KKK with his mascot, who is a, a, a short person, a midget. Yeah. I forgot about the midget. Because, well, they say because Stokes takes care of the little people, little people. Yeah. I forget, he's, is he in the castle? I don't think he's in the castle. I don't know if he I was is looking for on him. here or I, not. He might be uncredited. Oh wait, uh, Ed Gale. Ed Gale is is a little man. <laughs> little man. Well, that's they didn't name him anything else, but they just called him Little Man. Couldn't think of another name. Jesus. 
Well, you kind of, again, it's it, you got to realize, you know, they're trying to stick close to the Odyssey and in, in sort of that that not having a name for every single character. I mean, really, when you look at it, th- there was no Delmar, there was no Pete in the Odyssey, but there were two characters very similar to them that they basically kind of you know used. Mm. The trio rushed Tommy away and cut supports for a large burning cross, leaving it to fall on Big Dan. So the Cyclops is dead, guys. Everett convinces Pete, Delmar, and Tommy to help him win his wife back. They sneak into Stokes' campaign gala dinner. She's attending. Disguised as musicians, the group begins to perform a performance of their radio hit. The crowd recognizes the song and goes wild. Homer recognizes them as a group who humiliated his mob. When he demands the group be arrested and reveals his white supremacist views, the crowd runs him out of town. Pape O'Daniel, the incumbent candidate, sees the opportunity, endorses the Saga Biden boys, and grants them full pardons. Which I, I kind of love that scene when he gets up there and sort of basically he takes over this campaign rally for his you know, it's kind of weird that he's there at a, at a campaign rally. Yeah, why was he at for, his uh, opponent's for his opponent. Yeah, it was very strange, but yeah. he was there. Um, and then, uh, you know, he gets up there on stage, basically takes over. And I just love the interaction between him and the Soggy Bottom boys. Oh, my and God. And he's like, these boys are going to, you know, I'm going to free them as long as they're done with their evil ways. And he just looks over at him and just yeah, he loses his back. whole fucking politician face and just gives him dead look. Are we done with this? Or like, like <laughs> are you done living this way? Yes, sir. We're done. Okay. Yes, sir. We're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has two moments where he makes comments to the crowd and just is very boisterous and very political. But then, he, as soon as he turns, you just see that shadow come over him. And he's like, "Are we? Are we going to do this the right way?" And, and they're like, "Yeah, yes, sir, I, yes, love sir. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You're, you're going to go. Like full, you're going to go far in this business, son." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was. Uh, yeah, it was. I love that. I just love that little interaction because through most of it, you see Pappy talking to his son and like bashing his son, and even makes. A, and I know it's not from the movie. I mean, I know it is in the movie, but um, I'm sure this is a saying that was happening a long time ago. But he makes a comment to his son way back earlier in the movie as they're walking into the radio station to do his radio hour. Son, if your mama didn't die giving birth to you, she would die of disappointment. And it just went, took me straight oh. back to Justice P from a from a wow. smoking the bandits. <laughs> I love those lines, man. And it just like, cause it just was that, that moment of us, this, this dumb child. Like you're it's so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. That's, that's like the line that I always keep saying, like, boy, I'm going to punch your mama in the mouth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we get home. I'm going to punch you. And it's, <laughs> and he almost has that, that, that saying he's kind of says, and basically is like, Hey, you know, God, you know, God rest your mama's soul. But if she hadn't died, giving birth to you, she would have died from she embarrassment. Died just, <laughs> man. And it's just that moment where you see those two sides of him where he's, you know, this politician, but at the heart, he's he's a daddy trying to put up with a fucking. (laughs) What is this? Charles Dunning? He's Charles Dunning, right? Yeah, Charles Dunning. Yes. Such a good job in this movie. Yeah. To me, I've always loved anything he's been in. He's one of those great character actors. You will always remember things that he's done. Yeah. He is deeply missed. I think he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, The next morning, the group sets out to retrieve the ring. Uh, by, by the way, let me back up a little bit. Penny agrees to marry Everett with one condition that he find her original ring. And I think this is the, the statement that you were saying about the three steps back. Yes. I and think I've that's, yeah, I think that's when that, that took place. I, I take three, I've taken three, uh, three steps forward and I've counted the three or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Not to find that line. The next morning, the group sets out to retrieve the ring, which is inside a cabin in the valley, which Everett had earlier claimed was the location of this treasure. And we got to remember it's scheduled to be flooded for a um for a new i think water 
water power system I think they were talking about. So that's the main reason they had to rush to get out there. The police, having learned of this place from Pete, arrest the group, dismissing their claims of having received. Oh, this is like what Mike said earlier, dismissing yeah. the claim of pardons. Yeah, he's the, yeah, that's when that. And then the best part about it is they come walking over, and you hear Pete, or not Pete, but uh, Ulysses telling him about this great farmland and this great homestead, and he's like, yeah, and it's even got a, a, a swing off the tree. When you go, when the camera pans around. You don't see a rope hanging off the tree for a swing. You see another rope hanging mm-hmm. off the tree, and you see a bunch of men digging graves, digging basically. Graves. Yeah, and that's when you see. That's when we're we're introduced. Finally, we finally get to hear and see um, see uh, Daniel Vaughn uh, Berg- was it Bar- Bargain? I think is his, the gentleman's uh, name. Oh, we got it. For that pl- that plays the Daniel sheriff. Vaughn Bargain. Yeah, Daniel yep. Vaughn Bargain, who was I believe in Inglorious Bastards. Yes. Yeah. He was yeah. He's been in a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of movies. But yeah, I mean, you get to see that, and you the voice you you just recognize his voice. I love that draw. He's like, like little so raw. Like he, like his he doesn't have a lot of lines, but it's very deep. Like this so very. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. He was in yeah. He was a uh, Chief Bruce Gra- Bruce Grady, which in uh in Super Troopers. Um, God, what's he been in something more recent? What's he? What's he, was he I got man. The first one, right? Which is, one? Is first the first one? Yeah, the first Super Troopers. Yeah, yeah, because he's the. Um, yeah, see, uh, I'm trying to remember. There was something else I'd seen him in, more more recently. And I just it just not it's not. I'm looking through his list and I can't see his see what list it is, mm. or and what I'm thinking of. But yeah, there was a, there was another movie I could have sworn that he was in because I like when I saw him, I was like, oh my god, I recognize him and that that voice just is very, is very recognizable. Just as ever praise to God, the, vl- the valley is flooded, and they are saved. Tommy finds the ring in a desk that floats by, and they return to town. However, now, the whole, now, the whole time they're arguing. Remember, they're arguing. Ulysses is like, oh, we got saved. We got saved. Or no, we're, we were saved. And Delmar's like, yeah, because we prayed. And he's like, no, no, it's not because you prayed. It's because the, they were going to be flooding this valley anyways, and it just happened to be. And it was just – there's back and forth that – Ulysses is this very—I don't want to call him atheistic—but he's very—he's very, he's very anti-religion belief and very against that, against a structure like that. You know, he's all about new and contemporary and, and what's coming up. You know, uh, remember mm. when he first met the uh, the blind conductor? You know, on the train, he's like, you know, what's your name, sir? I I I, I have no job. I have no name. Well, that's probably why you're unemployed. You got to have a name. <laughs> he's very all about the business and working the next deal. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Delmar and Pete are a little bit more laid back, a little bit more innocent in their ways, and they're very religious in their in what they believe, and that's why you still see this conversation back and forth that you know, you know they just literally met the devil, and he still flat out still refuses to see that there's you know somebody trying to look out for them and trying to help their help them along their way, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course you know they all come up for air in the courts, and what do they see? They see a cow on top of a cotton home which is exactly what the blind man said they would see and, and then did. tommy comes floating up with the uh the roll top desk which they don't sell a lot of those roll top desks anymore i've been looking for one actually when everett presents the ring to penny it turns out it was her aunt's ring she declares that she will not marry him with that ring but only her wedding ring which she cannot remember where she Put it. I think it's hysterical. And I well, actually, the way the movie not only is it, that part is not really where the movie ends. The movie ends as you see them walking by, and Pete and Delmar walk with them, and they see you see a string. 
tied to the, the kid. tied to the kids, and the kids are singing a song, and in the background, you see the prophet, the blind prophet, on his uh, on his trolley cart, singing in harmony with the girls, and the youngest one stops and looks at him as he's going down the road. It's like it's Ooh. very like this moment. It's almost a very haunting moment because it's like that he's so tied into them that he's singing right along with the girls. Yeah, it's creepy. I have to look back. I don't yeah, look that. back at that. It's the very final moments of the movie. Like the, they're all holding onto this rope so they can you know, keep it, keep up with their parents. And the, the youngest one stops, kind of lets go of the rope, and just is standing in the middle of the railroad track as he go, goes down this under this bridge as he's like pumping the, pumping his little trolley. Hmm. Another fabulous fact. So that's Oh Brother, we're out there. Released in two thousand. Uh, budget of twenty six million, made seventy two, so it made dough. But that's back. It right was now. again, like I said, this was one of those ones that, when you look back, it, it was a, not only a phenomenon for the movies, but it was sort of a, a a cultural phenomenon to go back, and people were like getting back into that time frame and mm. enjoying the music of that time, and in again the the contemporary artists that were doing styles like that. Like Alison Krauss had been around for years, but and so had Jillian Welsh, you know, Jillian Welsh, but you know, Emmy Lou Harris had been around, and all these other artists that were all over this this soundtrack were all around but they just had their little niche of fans when this movie came out in that soundtrack like you said and you you went everywhere and you heard man of constant were, sorrow yeah everywhere was doing bluegrass yeah I, I can't i god i remember going to a karaoke bar and there was a there was a, a guys that would actually dress up like the soggy bottom boys wear the over the, the blue overalls and the beard and do karaoke dressed as them so you know yeah it was definitely a a, a you know a cultural phenomenon and again, that's that's just how the Coen Brothers are. Every like I, every movie you think of with them, they leave an indelible mark on culture or in that time frame. You think of of the Big Lebowski and you know kind of that that mark that they, that it left in during that time when it was released in the late nineties. And then you see this one, and you see Fargo, and you know they they always seem to leave this great, awesome you know mark in the in the world. They they definitely do got a style and. Um... Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies and one of Mike's favorite movies, and um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, sorry guys, I have I have gone to sleep to this movie countless times because there was a moment where I literally I think I only own three DVDs and this was one of them. So when I would go to bed, I would go to bed with this. So this is literally ingrained in the brain of my. I can tell because there was some things I missed that are not in the Wikipedia page, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, you're like, wait a minute, you missed this part." I'm like, "Oh shit, I, I forgot that about that part too." So. Yeah, like I said, well, I, I also just recently I watched it um, yesterday, so that was kind of oh, fresh. In my, it was fresh in my head, but again, I I know from all the years of uh, of all the times of me going to bed, like I literally stopped watching it because I had watched it so much and probably. Uh, osmosis learned so much of it in my sleep, so uh, I kind of, kind of had to let it let it die. And this was probably the first time I'd watched it, uh, probably about two, two three years, because I was just like, I just need to let it sit and. and I watched it uh, last Tuesday. Did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah this past Tuesday. Yeah, that's why I, yeah, I, I watched yeah, it. I was kind of like in and out of it, but when you told me that last scene, I was like, well, I remember them singing, but I don't remember like the, the prophet being there. Yeah, the he's all the way in the background on the railroad track, and the girl, the blonde little girl, sitting in her dress and just staring at him, and it's just like I said, it just has this moment of like eeriness to it but again when you look at what the story in the in the heart of it is the odyssey is one of those ones you know it, it is a long drawn out and it does have some i won't call them creepy or spooky elements but it definitely has some elements of you know myth myth you know not mythology but uh mysticism and stuff like that so that it does guys uh mike let's get out of here all right guys make sure you do check us out we have updated a lot of our stuff we are now bam bam 
midnight movies so uh, make sure you guys do check us out we are doing a lot of different things we're sticking to our movie reviews we're sticking to our watch alongs but we're also adding in brand new list shows where we're talking about our favorite types of movies and Jeff's get gets five I get five and we just bust them out we've got so many great lists planned out right now oh I know my, I, my list the list I have is ridiculous and I'm sure you've got your own and we just need to I, compile them I can't I don't think we're going to be able to use all those films that I put down that's ridiculous. Well, yeah, like I said, yeah, we're just going to do our top five, but I got a couple of backups just in case. But this week we did release the, or last week we did release um, our one for sports, was it our, which was our inaugural sports movie. Yeah, yeah, our sports movie. So check that out. You might find some that are yours. You might have some other ideas. Hit us up on Facebook because uh, while po- we're posting all of those on there. And I think we're going to stick to maybe a Friday release on the um, on the list on one. The it seems to, be, seems to be doing pretty good, so. But make sure you guys check us out there. But like I said, yeah, updated our Facebook page as well. So, yeah. So let's get out of here. From Mike to me to you, um, get to the asylum. Yeah. See you soon.